This is probably my fault, Dan. Don't look at the sound. This is my fault. I got to turn the little button on. What's more concerning is that I think it was on for an awful long time before this moment. So I don't know, band, if you heard any terrible singing in your ears, that was me. Welcome to Life Church. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And man, is anybody else excited for fall to be almost here? It's bittersweet because summer goes by too fast, but I love the routine of fall. I love football. I love, I don't love what Wednesday brought. That was just horrific weather to me. And we decided that would be a great day to go tailgating at a baseball game. And it was a glimpse into something I never want to experience again. So I'm excited for fall and um, I'm going to take you back for just a moment and what winter was like. Uh, back in late March, uh, my boys and I decided we were going to, we had this great idea. My, my family has some hunting land. It was a part of my grandpa's farm and it's just 40 acres. And we thought what would be a great idea is we just went up there for the day and we just hung out and shot BB guns. And if you got a problem with BB guns, you can email me at acole at lifechurchwi.com. Your request will be taken seriously there. Uh, but we, if you don't know that, Pastor Aaron does that to me all the time. And so when he's not here, I think, no, don't, don't email him. Don't do that. But we were shooting BB guns and we had this idea that that's what we were going to do. It was going to be this fun day and walk around and just kind of hang out, do what boys do in a 40-acre, you know, area with a little bit of woods and all of that. And this is located very remote Wisconsin in Tony, Wisconsin. Anybody ever been to Tony, Wisconsin before? Like three hands. Has anyone even heard of Tony, Wisconsin before? Uh, if you Wikipedia it, it is famous for one thing, and you will be made sure that you know what that one thing is as soon as you enter town, because there's a giant billboard. It's like a couple hundred people that live there, but it is the home of Jim Leonard. He was from Tony, Wisconsin, and so it's like the claim to fame. If you don't know who that is, just look it up later, but anyway... We're in the middle of nowhere, that's kind of what I'm getting at, and nobody around, and we kind of come down this gravel road, and then uh, this land has like a quarter acre, or quarter acre, quarter mile gravel driveway. There's no like cabin or anything, it's just this open area, and so as we're going down the gravel road, I'm looking to see like has it been plowed or, you know, what's going on because there's still some snow on the ground, and eyeballing it, it looked like there's about two, three inches of snow on top of the driveway. No big deal. So I got an all-wheel drive vehicle, just kind of let's go for it. I get about 50 feet in and realize I have greatly mistaken. I have miscalculated what's happening because it wasn't two to three inches of snow on top of the driveway. It was two to three inches of snow on top of ice, which was on top of a foot of snow. Bad news. I just didn't, I just didn't register. And so we start fishtailing, and I do what any guy thinks that they should do in that situation, step on it. So I just decide I'm going to get up this driveway as fast as I can, because I think if I get up to the top, I should be able to kind of, you know, moment, it, it's up a little bit of a hill. That didn't work out so well. But I did make it about 300 yards up the driveway and then came to a complete stop, and all tires are spinning. I am going 
nowhere. So we get out. There's a, a shed that I knew had like a shovel in it. And so we start shoveling. I'm look, this is kind of what it looked like just to kind of give you a visual because I had to capture this moment. Not good. So that, we're like a quarter mile almost down this driveway. None of those tires are going uh, anywhere. So we get a shovel out, we get cardboard, like we think if I can wedge some cardboard underneath the tire, maybe that'll give some traction. Nothing is doing anything whatsoever. We probably spent an hour and a half trying to get out of this and had no progress whatsoever. Thanks, guys. No progress whatsoever. And then it dawns on me, maybe I should call my dad and see, like, do you know anyone out here? Like, what, who do I even call in Tony? Like, there's nowhere to go. There's no, 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 nobody to call. I'll save you a lot of details, but that one phone call to my dad started a chain reaction of other phone calls. I think everyone in the community knew that I was stuck. <laughs> About 10 to 15 minutes later, I see this giant tractor barreling down uh, the road coming right towards us. I'm like, I guess that's what that's what's pulling us out of this. And so this guy gets out. I don't know him. Never met him. He's like, sounds like you got a little trouble. I'm like, yeah, quite a bit. And he said, I don't know you, but I know your dad, and I'm here to help. And he hooks up a chain. Five minutes later, we're out of there. I mean, it was the quickest rescue effort I've ever seen, and we're completely out of this area now. And I I had. I'm like, I got some cash in my wallet. I'm going to try to give this guy some money and just say thank you. He immediately, he saw me take out money. He's like, you're not giving me a penny. That's just what, that's what we do. That's what neighbors do. I've known your family my whole life. It's just what we do. And I've thought a lot about that story. I've, one, I've thought about it through the lens of, uh, it's kind of, it, it's a little uncommon these days to have neighbors like that, that are just, that's just what we do. Don't think anything of it. Like you're not asking for a favor. That's just, that's who we are. That's what we do. But also through the lens of how often, and maybe I'm the only one guilty of this, but I so often will get into a bind, whatever that means in life. I'll have a, a, a moment where there's, there's a struggle, there's a problem, there's something going on. And I will do everything in my power to try to get out of that struggle. I'll try to, you know, if I can do this or that, if I can do anything in my power, and then if that doesn't work, then I will ask God for his help. And God is saying, why would, why would that not be your first instinct? Why wouldn't you come to me right out of the gate and say, I, I, I am a God who wants to help you? And I think the reason why is because so often we can have a distorted view of who God is. Like, if, just to kind of put it in an analogy, so often I think that we think of God as kind of like a, the, the boss of a manufacturing facility. Like, he's out on, on his little perch, uh, just with his arms crossed, looking down to make sure, is everybody doing their job? Because all these people work for me, you know? Like, all these people better be doing their job for me. And I'm just going to be watching. And if they get out of line, I'm going to call them up to the office and, hey, you need, to do, you need to pull your weight. You need to... We think of God in these terms, and that's not who God is at all. God would be the type of boss who would come alongside, would be on the floor, and would say, is there anything I can help you with today? Is there anything that you need? How can I make sure that you are as effective as possible? I am here to help you. We think of God as one that we are to work for him, but he says, no, 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 I work for you. I'm here to be a help to you. Psalm 121, David says it this way. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. 
the maker of heaven and earth. David saw God as his help. In fact, another verse, Psalm 46, I believe it says that he is an ever-present help in time of need. David sees God as his helper, as somebody who's always there. And, and we see the best example of this, I think, in Psalm chapter 23. If you have your Bibles, that's what we're, we're going to camp out for the entire message. Psalm chapter 23, it's, it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. I would bet most people in this room have heard this before, maybe at a, uh, you know, an, a, a funeral perhaps. Uh, but Psalm 23, David lays out, here are all the ways that God helps us. Here are all the different aspects of who God is. And there's a couple different lenses that I think we can view this passage of Scripture from. The first lens would be uh, that these are all the character, the, the characteristics, the attributes of God. There's eight different things here. Now, uh, I'll just help you for a second, because like when I hear a preacher say that I got eight things, I'm like, how long are we going to be here today? I assure you, we're going to go through these relatively quickly, but... Uh, there's eight different aspects, attributes of who God is. And I think there's a lot of power in just truly understanding the character of God, who God is, knowing how he operates. Because when you understand who he is, you, you, you understand better how he works in your life and you can, it, it just, it, it, it helps the relationship in so many ways. So I think we can look at it through that lens, but there's another lens that I think can be very, very powerful. It's through the lens that maybe Psalm 23 was meant to be an outline for how we pray. If you look at the New Testament, there's the, the Lord's Prayer where uh, Jesus lays out, this is how you're to pray, and it's really meant to be an outline for your prayer life. Psalm 23 seems to be how David prayed to God. This was like an outline for what his prayer life looked like. And I think there's so much power in declaring the attributes of God because God doesn't answer our prayers based on our character. He doesn't answer our pr prayers based on anything that we've done. He answers our prayers based on his character. He answers our prayers based on the attributes, the things that he is. And so when we declare who God is in our lives, it unleashes the power of God in our lives. So Psalm 23, I want to read through it, and then we're going to just break down some of these things today. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a message I think um, it may be one that you come back to if you're praying through Psalm 23 another time. I'd encourage you maybe to take some notes today, but I want to give you eight different statements that David makes in this passage that I think are so powerful for us today. The first one is this, God is my shepherd. He starts out this verse by saying, the Lord is my shepherd. This analogy is used all throughout scripture that uh, we, we are likened to sheep and God is likened to being the shepherd. Now, sometimes this analogy breaks down a little bit because we're not familiar with what shepherding is all involves, uh, but suffice it to say that it is a 24-7 
It is all the time watching over me. I can think of it as a farmer because my grandpa was a farmer. I know a little bit about what that looks like, that it is a 24-7 thing. It's a never going on vacation. It's, we have chores in the morning, chores in the afternoon. We got to make sure that none of the animals are sick. We got to, it's, it's just a constant grind. It's a constant oversight. That's who God is in our life because sheep need a shepherd. If sheep don't have a shepherd, they will wander aimlessly. It's kind of funny that we're likened to sheep because sheep are not very smart animals. <laughs> they will wander. They will literally like fall off of cliffs when following other sheep. That's, that's kind of how sheep are. But if they have a shepherd, if they have somebody guiding, they'll stay together. They'll stay by the shepherd. John 10, 14, I love this verse. It says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. That's the relationship that we are to have with God. He being the shepherd, we being the sheep. God is my shepherd. The Hebrew word here, uh, and I'm, if, if you love like Hebrew and Greek and all that, I'm going to give you just kind of, there's eight different uh, Hebrew names of God that go along, that correlate with all of these things. This one would be Jehovah Ra'ah, my shepherd. That's who God is. God is our shepherd. The second thing, God is my provider. God is my provider. He says, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. The, the Hebrew name of God there is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. He provides everything. So often, I think it can be easy to think of other things being our source, our provider, a job, an investment, a 401k, maybe a spouse, a parent. Those are the things that are your provider. But God would say, no, no, no. Those are simply resources, but I am the source. I am the provider. I am Jehovah Jireh. Philippians chapter 4, 19 says, and my God will meet all of your needs according to his riches of, uh, of his glory in Christ Jesus. Aren't you thankful today that we serve a God who provides richly for every single one of our desires, every single one of our needs? And sometimes we just need reminders of this. I remember a time Amanda and I had just gotten married, and if you can take yourself back to, maybe you're a newlywed in this room today, but if you can think back to the time, if you're married here, where you were first married, that's about as poor as you get, right? Like, you're trying to rub two nickels together, and every single transaction is a big deal, and you're having to strategize, when do I pay that bill, and when do I, like, it's, you're getting really good at a bit of a shell game, trying to keep it all together, and we were having kind of that moment where there was a, bills that were piling up, and then there was not enough resources coming in, and we were, it, I was flustered, I was actually having one of, the, one of those moments where I was kind of crying out to God, saying, this is not a good spot to be in, and we needed a, a dog kennel. We, it was about $100, and that was a big deal. That was like a major purchase for us. And I was like, I don't, we don't, literally don't have $100 right now. I can't, we can't buy that dog kennel. And I remember feeling very inadequate as a husband. I remember thinking, this is just, how am I going to, how am I going to lead this family when I can't even purchase a dog kennel? And I kind of had a pity party a bit. You ever had one of those with God where you're kind of just crying out to him? And I know it was a small need, but it was something that was indicative of a bigger picture. And I remember that same day, I get a phone call from my sister. And she says, I hear, just hear me out. This is a little bit of a weird phone call, but I heard that you need a kennel. I don't even know how she heard about it. I don't, whatever. But I heard that you need a kennel, and I feel like 
I'm supposed to buy it for you. Don't ask any questions. Just tell me how much it is. I'm going to send a check in the mail. That's when you still send checks in the mail. You know, uh, don't ask questions. I just feel like I need to be obedient on this. And it was one of those moments. I know I, I wish that every single need in my life happened exactly that, that way, but it was a reminder of God saying, I'm your provider. Stop looking to your own sources. Stop looking to your own ability. Stop looking to your own resources. I am your provider. I am Jehovah Jireh, your provider. God is our provider. Third thing, God is my peace. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I love that passage. I love that verse right there. He is Jehovah Shalom, our peace. See, I think we live in a world that is increasingly restless. There is such a restlessness in our world. It seems like there's constantly something to be worried about. And I'll just tell you, I'm a bit of a worrier. Like, there's always something on my mind. There's always something that I'm a little concerned about. There's all, and I'm more of an internal processor, so I just kind of like bottle all that kind of stuff in. But there's always uh, just, there's a restlessness that I think so many of us struggle with. See, restlessness, let me just tell you what restlessness looks like. It's you become short with everybody that you love the most. Simple tasks take way too long. When I have restlessness, it seems like I can't get anything done. Your thoughts, they struggle to calm and s slow down. Every meeting at work becomes tense. Your relationship with your boss becomes strained. Your relationship with your spouse can become fatigued. As a parent, you feel that your children are a nuisance to you, and you're short with them, and you're, you lack patience with them. You feel pressured, you feel a little bit overwhelmed, and like all you need is, I just need a break, but man, I, we literally just had a break. We just went on vacation, and I still, I need another break. It's this constant feeling of restlessness. And everyone tries to, to fix this in their life. I think we come, the last few years have been particularly restless. We're, we look to things, we look to vacations, we look to money, we look to substances, we look to different things. People in this world, they look to all sorts of different things, and God is saying, I'm the only thing that can fix that. That restlessness will never go away apart from me. I offer a peace that passes all understanding. I mean, it doesn't have to make sense, but I offer that peace. John chapter 14, verse 27 says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Those are imitations of peace. But do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. God makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is our peace. Maybe today, I just encourage you, if, if that resonates with you, like, yeah, that's me. That's, I, there's so much restlessness in my heart right now. I'd encourage you. Maybe it's this afternoon. Maybe you just need to go for a drive. Get, just get unplugged, whatever that means, whatever that looks like to get away from everything and just say, God, give me your peace. I need your peace. I've tried everything on my own and it, nothing satisfies. I need the peace that David wrote about 3,000 years ago. God is my peace. Fourth thing, God is my healer. He says in verse three, he says, he refreshes my soul. That refreshes my soul, what that means is returning your soul back to its original origin. This, this idea that that's what God wants to do with every area of our lives. 
He wants to do that with our physical bodies, that he wants to return it back to its original origin. That's what healing is. He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer. It literally means to return back to its original intention. Uh, This past summer, we had just, I don't know, five, six days of school left, and we get a phone call, a man and I, that uh, one of our kids, who shall remain nameless, was playing football and in, at recess, fell down, was in a lot of pain, pick him up, bring him to the doctor, and they said, yep, sure enough, he's got a broken collarbone. Like, oh, right before summer break, you know, like right before all the fun stuff. And so uh, the, the doctor said, there's not a whole lot you can do, but you could see the, the x-ray, and this is, the collarbone is supposed to look like this, but it was looking like this, and he said, all we're trying to do is make sure that it grows back like this. But what can happen is if you're too active or whatever, it can grow like this, and then you got major problems. I actually know somebody that that happened to them, and they literally, there's a lot of things that they can't do anymore because of it. So we're just like, let's just make sure, take it easy, put the sling on, make sure that it returns back to the way it was. That's this idea of what God does in our lives, that he is our healer. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring everything back to its original Origin. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and, doesn't just stop there, and heals all your diseases. So many times um, when we have a physical healing that we, that we need from God, there's something going on in our bodies. We pray prayers like this, Lord, if it's your will, would you heal me? According to Scripture, It is his will for you to be healed. It is his will for you to be returned back to the original design. Now, I can tell you that the timing of that is up to God. Uh, We know that in heaven someday, that everything, all our, our physical bodies will be returned back to their original intent, that every sickness will be wiped out, every disease will be gone, we will be made whole, and there are times where God chooses to heal us that way. But there are times where God gives us a glimpse into heaven and he just pulls back the curtain just a little bit and performs a miracle on this side of eternity and and heals somebody. And I've seen that happen where there's physical healing. And so we can pray with full confidence, God, heal my body, heal so-and-so. We know that you can, we know that you want to, we know that you will. We're just asking, would you do it on this side of eternity that we can see a glimpse into what heaven will be like someday? God, bring about healing in our bodies. Can I just encourage you today, don't stop praying for physical healing. Don't don't just become weary in that. Don't become fatigued in that. But say, God, every day I ask for you to bring full restoration to my body. God is our healer, healer, Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Fifth thing, God is my righteousness. He says, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. The Hebrew word here is Jehovah Sitkanu. It's the trickiest one to pronounce, so I made sure I did it right. Jehovah Sitkanu, my righteousness. God desires for us to live righteous lives. He desires for us to live right. Now, so often we can look at the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts. We can look at, we can read it through that lens and say, I, I have to follow all of these things. And it can be a bit daunting. But God says, you are not righteous. <laughs> I am your righteousness. 
I've not called you to memorize a list of do's and don'ts and make sure that you do every one of them. I've called you to lean upon me to be your righteousness. I've, I've called you to lean into the person of who God is. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. This is not a matter of us mustering up energy to do the, all the right things. Like, I just need to be good. I need to be good. I need to be good. I need to be good. It's, that's, that's never going to get you anywhere. It's saying, lean into God, who is your righteousness, and say, God, help me. Help me. I want to live right. I want to walk according to the way that, that your word lays out, but I can't do it on my own. I need you to be my righteousness. God, help me live right. Number six, God is always with me. Verse four, this is probably the most famous verse in this entire chapter, but it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Hebrew word here is Jehovah Shema, which literally means he is there. He is there. He is always there. Have you ever lost a kid before? You don't have to raise your hand. Have you ever been the kid that was lost before? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid that it seemed like every time we went to a big box store of some kind, like there was a kid lost. Like they would announce over the loudspeaker, would so-and-so come to the customer service area, we got your kid, you know, like, and my mom would always remind us every time, don't be that kid, you know, like don't be that kid, I was that kid one time, but I remember another time, that, that was just, you know, at, at the store. Another time we were at the Mall of America and we're walking around. Next thing I know, I look around and I'm, I'm about nine years old, completely by myself. Parents gone. Parent, I don't even know what happened. Like I was fixated on something and they just kept walking. And so I'm, I'm like panicking, you know, as an, I, I, I can't find them at all. And a security guard sees me, sees that I'm lost, comes up to me, do you need help? And I'm like, yeah, I can't find my parents. And he brings me to a room like with all the other kids who have lost their parents. <laughs> there were like multiple kids in this room that were missing their parents. And these aren't cell phone days, so it was a little more difficult to figure it out. Uh, but I was lost for like an hour. And when I finally, I mean, it was the most panicked I've ever felt in my life. Like that feeling of my parents not being here and what's going to, like there's, it's going through my mind, I will never see them again. Like that's literally what you think as a kid. That's kind of your worldview. And finally, it, I get reconnected with them. And uh, I'd love to tell you I never got lost again. It happened a couple times after that. But man, that feeling of being with my parents was such a good feeling, such a relief. Pro and now as a parent, I can't imagine what was going through my parents' <laughs> minds at that moment, but it is a terrifying feeling. God comes alongside us. He says, even though you walk through the darkest valley, I, you don't have to fear any evil because I'm with you. My rod and my staff, they can bring you comfort as a shepherd does. Psalm 30, 139, David writes it like this. He, he, he lays out the case that it doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, God is there with you. He says, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed 
in the depths, you are there. We serve a God who's always with us, a constant companion, always right there by our side. And I don't know about you, but man, I find a lot of comfort in knowing that, that no matter what I'm facing, I'm not facing it alone. I'm facing it with a God who is right by my side. God is always with us. Number seven, God is our defender. God is my defender. This is a, um, I think, just an incredible verse of scripture. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Just think about that for a second, that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. God is our defender. The Hebrew word is Jehovah Nisi, which means banner of victory, meaning he has had victory over any of your enemies. Uh, I, I was just talking to my brother and sister about this this morning because I'm like, I, did I, do I have this story straight? I, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure, but turns out I did. I remember as a kid, I was, I was actually probably in, I would have been in eighth grade. My brother was a senior in high school. My brother was like football player, jock, started both ways, type, you know, really built at the time. And there was a kid in, who's a sophomore, my sister was a sophomore, who was picking on my sister every day and just giving her a hard time. He was like, I don't know, he was like a goth kind of kid that was like saying he was going to cast spells over, like just weird stuff. I, and my, it was bothering my sister. It was really getting to her. And so she told, my brother found out about it. I don't even know how we were trying to debate. Who, how did you, he's like, maybe through a friend or whatever. I heard that she was getting picked on. And my brother the next day, who is one that likes a good confrontation, goes right up to this. He described him as a tall, skinny kid who probably played the oboe. I don't know why he said that. <laughs> Apparently, that's a detail that he remembered. I don't know. But he goes right up to this kid and pushes him and says, if you ever talk to or look at my sister again, I will knock your head off. Um, and I can assure you that that kid never talked to my sister again. I mean, it, the, the, it was put out loud and clear, I'm not messing with this senior in high school football player. And I, I, it was kind of funny because my mom was a part of this text thread this morning. She's like, I didn't know about this story at all. That is awesome. <laughs> but man, that, uh, again, that just, it pales in comparison, that story of what God does for us, that he says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. And guess what? Your enemies are not going to mess with your defender. God will come to our defense. He will do anything to protect you. Maybe in your prayer life, it's simply saying, God, would you protect me? Would you protect my family? You are Jehovah Nisi. You are our banner of victory. You bring victory over any enemy. Would you protect my family, protect my kids, that we pray through in that way, that God is our defender. And lastly, God is my sanctifier. Verse five, he says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. The Hebrew name for God here is Jehovah Makedesh, which simply means that God has set you apart for something special. Now, David, if you know the story of David a little bit, you know that when he was 13 years old, he was a shepherd and so I think that's why this analogy is one that he knows so much about. And God called him out of obscurity. And you know the story. He was the last you know, child of Jesse that, that anyone would think of 
to be the next king of Israel, and he's anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel. And then he has to wait 20 years before, you know, almost 20 years before he becomes the king of Israel. But he knew at that moment that he had been anointed by God and set apart for something special. That's what God does for us, that he sanctifies us, that he sets us apart for something special. I think if we're not careful uh, that we can get into this mindset that only, because I, I, I hear this quite a bit, that only ministers are anointed by God, or like it's, it's a minister's job to preach the gospel. And that is not at all in scripture. In fact, the Bible says that ministers have been called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, and you're the saints. In fact, I, I, I could make an argument that you have a larger responsibility than I do to preach the gospel to all the world, that God has set you apart for something special. How is the world going to hear without men and women like you preaching the gospel, bringing it to your workplace, bringing it to your family, bringing it to your neighborhood, that God has set you apart for that. He has anointed you for that. And he will equip you for that calling. I love how Hebrews chapter 13, starting in verse 20, it says this. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. God has called you and equipped you to do the work of the Lord. He has set you apart for something special. And I just want to talk for just a moment because I know that there's, uh, there's maybe students in the room who maybe you were at camp this summer, maybe last summer, I don't know, and, and, and you felt like God put a calling on your life and said, you're going to preach the gospel. And can I just tell you, don't let anyone take that away. Don't let the enemy come and snatch that out. He says, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. You've called me. You've equipped me. You've set me apart. God is our sanctifier. I want to close today just... um, I want to go back and just read Psalm 23 again. And I'm just going to ask you, sometimes I don't, this is helpful to me, is to simply just close your eyes and allow these words to just sink into your heart. Psalm chapter 23, starting in verse 1, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today that you are the great shepherd, that you lead us, that you guide us, you protect us, you provide for us, you give us peace, you bring physical healing to our bodies, you're our righteousness, 
You're our defender. You're constantly with us and you've set us apart for something special. Lord God, we are, I am in awe that the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the same God who made King David king of Israel 3,000 years ago, you're the same God who calls us and equips us and sanctifies us and gives us peace and leads us. I pray today, God, that we would take comfort in that and that we would yield to you. Lord God, we thank you for being our shepherd. I just pray if there's any, anybody in the room today that just needs you more than ever right now, they're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. They are going through a very difficult circumstance. Lord God, I pray that your presence would just wrap, that you would wrap your arms around them today and remind them that you are there, that you are with them, that you bring peace, that you bring healing. God, we need you. We thank you that you want to interact with us today, that you are not distant, that you are very present. We thank you for it. It's in your name we pray. Amen.